It's the works of mercy. It's the corporal works of mercy, and it's the spiritual works of mercy. So we have 14 works of mercy that are included as alms deeds um, to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to ransom the captive, to bury the dead. Those are Don't bury the living and the dead. Don't bury the living and the dead, <laughs> like the little boy who got confused in catechism class. That's right. That would be awful. Um, so that's the, the, those are the corporal works of mercy. And um, we have the um, spiritual works to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners. Uh, I don't think you're allowed to do that today, so we have to strike that off. <laughs> to, bear, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, and to pray for the living and the dead. That's what the poor little kid got confused about. He had he confused the last one on each list. Um, so we have to pray for the living and the dead, but only bury the dead. You're listening to Reconquest on the Crusade Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. This is Brother Andre Murray with my guest, Sister Philomena, and we're talking about what's the point of Lent. So all of those 14 works, those 14 alms deeds, are also part of our Lenten program. Uh, the, these should be integrated. And yeah, including money, including, or n- notice that giving money isn't a particular thing on any of these f- 14. No, but, money may yeah. be included if you're going to provide shelter or clothing yeah. or food. But Yeah, food, yeah, food drink, um, clothing, shelter. Religious uh, need to eat too. <laughs> all, of the, all of those things, all of those things um, imply you know, wealth. And in fact, these are items of real wealth as opposed to items of coin wealth, which is there to exchange for procuring real wealth, items of real wealth, like things you can eat and drink and so forth. So, but really any, any what we would call good deed, I mean, even this, even this list of 14 isn't considered to be exhaustive. Um, so any, any good deed is part of what we would call alms deeds, you know, doing good, showing mercy to our brothers and sisters, um, the the poor, and any who are in need. I mean, somebody who's rich, who has some need of a spiritual work of mercy at that moment is poor as far as his needfulness goes. We don't have to just stick to the the people who are um, materially destitute. And on a practical note, boiling, you know, coming down, so you've got all these options of things you can do for penance. In, in all in these three categories that as you um, perhaps with the advice of your spiritual director or your your family however you're you know you have the penances that you perform together as a family um, and you have the the penances any aspect of those three or all of them that you're doing yourself as you sort of make up your list it's good to you know be on the lookout for opportunities but it's um, important for our weak natures to sort of make a, a list of you know, maybe three things or something that you're going to specifically work on, um, you know, plan to do and not not just or not only wait, look for the opportunities because the opportunities will arise and you want to be open to those too, but you don't want to just, um, it's easy to say, well, my I'll just wait and see what shows up <laughs> instead of um, concretely picking a few things yeah. that hurt and mm-hmm. and it should be something that's hard. Yes, uh, I guess it's, this is one of those things that you can actually apply to. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. Um, and by hurt here, we don't obviously we don't mean making yourself incapable of working, or certainly not incapable of praying. Um, but hurting meaning you feel it. You know, you ex- you you undergo 
some sort of pain, you undergo some sort of suffering. Some sort of suffering. Saint um, Dom Garanger keeps mentioning that let us courageously tread the way of of penance. You don't need courage if it's not hard. (laughs) Yes. Which um, you mentioned suffering, and Lent is a time of suffering. And if we if we don't uh, do it ourselves, it will be provided. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- there's actually a there's a very um, kind of a jarring um, episode in the life of Saint Teresa of Avila, where she has been un- getting a lot of bad advice from confessors, and there was even a layman apparently who had a lot of influence in the Carmel where she was, and who. Um, the 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 superior. This is before she had founded the uh, reform. The, the reform when she was still in the Carmel of the Incarnation in Avila, and this layman exerted a lot of influence, and and he was, um, you know, sort of testing her spirits and and um, you know accusing her of things, and it was not helpful. And she had the wonderful opportunity to speak to the then, um, ma- not Master General, that's a Dominican, um, um, hmm, uh, Superior General, I'm forgetting the proper term, the Superior General of the Jesuits. And uh, he was a, um, a Spaniard like her. He was not St. Ignatius' immediate successor, I think, but I think he was um, the the third in the line after Saint Ignatius, and I'm talking about uh, Saint Francis Borja, um, whose name is Italianized to Borgia, but his real name was Borja, and he gave her the advice that she wasn't doing enough bodily penance, and um, he said the reason you keep getting sick and the reason you keep having these awful things happening is because you're not doing enough voluntary penance. So God's extracting these it from you in these other ways. Mm-hmm. And she was glad to hear this uh, because she was able to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, it, it, it's kind of scary that you hear that about a great saint like Saint Teresa of Avila. Uh, well, she wasn't a great saint yet at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> these she were was, steps to becoming. <laughs> she was just a good saint, I suppose. <laughs> the, but yeah, he helped her immensely. So it, it, it's so Lent is one of those times. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not to say that the rest of the year we're losers and we and we, and we just uh, you know do do whatever we want. Uh, but Lent is a time kind of to tighten up the old belt, um, literally to some degree. And it's uh, it's an amazing thing too when you make a good Lent. Easter is truly glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Uh, the, the church as a mother knows what we need and not only is I mean in the in the health world if you will there's a lot of emphasis now on the value of fasting to reset your immune system and um, do the detoxing and things to make sure that you're you stay in good health well the church has fasting built in for a much higher motive but it has the um, the health benefits sort of trailing along behind it but instead of doing it for those lower motives we do it out of love for god and you get the benefits that come with it but when you've made a good lent whether you're you know there are people who are physically unable to fast so maybe they maybe their penance isn't fasting their penance is going to be giving up something that's not food and then doing the others um other positive extra devotional things um when you make a good Lent, 
then Easter is really, um, really celebratory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We're body and soul, and they have to go together. Mm -hmm. Now, why don't we talk about um, suffering? Uh, because we were, we were. You mentioned suffering, um, and uh, I think you kind of wanted to transition into talking about that. Um, I think a lot of people think that there's something kind of morose about traditional Catholicism and all the stuff about suffering. Um, people make it sound like you know we're we're interested in this sort of cult of bloodletting and and and. Um, and and pain, it's almost sort of sadistic. Uh, well, it depends on how you're doing it, too, because mm-hmm. our Lord says don't do it like the Pharisees who show how they're sad and mournful and blah, but wash your face and <laughs> mm-hmm. be cheerful. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <it's>, paraphrasing. <laughs> it's not a show. Yeah, and, and we're going to get that uh, early on in, as a gospel for, for Lent uh, very in very short order once Lent has begun. But um, so there's a there's a spiritual book that is one of my favorites uh, to read, which is by Don François Paulien, the um, Carthusian uh, spiritual writer, who talks about suffering and he talks about um, he talks about it, and I think in the most exalted and intelligent way that that you ever want to read expressed. And he, he talks about how, okay, so in life we have suffering, and yes, God sends us suffering. He's blunt about it. God sends us suffering. He also says that God sends us consolations. And he says, God doesn't send us consolations for the poor our purpose of just entertaining us and making us feel good. And God doesn't send us, and here I'm paraphrasing, of course, God doesn't send us sufferings uh, because he's cruel and sadistic and wants to see us uh, in pain, uh, but he said, so God's neither puerile, which is, of course, childish, nor is he um, cruel, but God is always a father, and everything he does is doing it as a father. And when he, as a father, sends us suffering, it's for our good. And when he, as a father, sends us consolations, it's also for our good. And the, the benefit of suffering, he says, again, I'm paraphrasing Don François Paulien, is that the benefit of suffering is that it detaches us from creatures, and the benefit of consolations is that it attaches us to God. And this kind of, once you have this sort of systematized like this, then you understand the crazy vicissitudes, or seemingly crazy, almost arbitrary cruelties that the saints go through with the you know the dark night of the senses and then the dark night of the soul and um, you hear about all of these things that are slowly taken away from them 